That was great. Amen. All right. Did you bring your Bible with you? A real Bible? Open up to Psalm, Psalm 48. Would you do that, please? Psalm 48. And when you get there, I want you to uh, put your finger there, hold the place, and then turn to the right to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Now, in Isaiah is our, our text that we'll be reading. Isaiah chapter 33. So you've got a little marker there in Psalm 48. And we'll, we'll get back to it. We'll get there. But first, we're going to read out of Isaiah chapter 33. Okay. <sighs> They're nice to have you here tonight. Praise the Lord. So if you're all set and ready, just indicate with a little raise of your right hand. Yeah, say, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm here, preacher. Yep. Okay, good. All right, let's read verse 17 together and then we'll have a word of prayer. Isaiah 33, verse 17. Let's read it out together. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. <sighs> this speaks of when Messiah appears. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, help us now to... Talk about this. This is an exciting subject. Thank you for that, that special, that choir special. But we shall rise. We shall see the king. That is for sure. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put our eyes where they ought to be tonight. And that's upon a coming Savior. Help us to think about that tonight. And tomorrow, if we're still here, and even if we're still here the next day, help us to think about it. He could come today and we shall see the king. Lord, speak to hearts. I pray that you would minister to needs. And Lord God, I pray that if there be one watching tonight who's not right with you, walking close by your side, that you would encourage him or her to do so quickly. And if someone is not saved, not born again, that they would certainly come to Jesus and be saved tonight and we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus name amen what an amazing verse of scripture I believe that the greatest thrill that a Christian will ever have is when they see the king I believe that folks I believe that honestly honestly with all my heart I think that the day that you and I see Jesus is going to outshine every other day in your life it's going to outshine your wedding day it's going to outshine the day you graduated finally, finally from that institute of higher learning, whatever you, you, you did it. Seeing Jesus is going to outshine that 10 to one easy, maybe more. The day you see Jesus is going to be your greatest thrill. It's going to be greater than climbing a mountain. If you've ever done the grouse grind, that's you got to the top all in one piece, still alive. You, Hooray, I did it. This is going to outshine, outclass climbing a mountain. It's better than that, that experience you had of, of going in a boat and seeing whales. And you took pictures. I saw whales. How about swimming with the whales? Anyone ever done that? I'm too scared. Huh. Some people have swam with the whales. What an experience. Seeing Jesus. It's far, far greater experience. I'll tell you. It's a greater experience than skydiving. <clears throat> we have people in our church that have done skydiving. I'm not one of them. And you would not believe me if I told you who it was. So I'm not going to tell you. 
<laughs> but I couldn't believe it either. I had to see the pictures. They went skydiving. Yes, someone used, used to see every Sunday in church here. Seeing Jesus is going to outshine that thrill. Would you call that a thrill, jumping out of a plane, an airplane at 10,000 feet or something like that for the first time? Would you call that a thrill? <laughs> I might pass out, you know, wake me up when we get there. But some people are thrilled to do skydiving. Seeing Jesus is so much greater than that. Listen, seeing Jesus is better than walking on the moon. Seeing Jesus is better than inheriting millions of dollars. I'm telling you, it is going to be the greatest, greatest, greatest thrill of your entire existence is when you finally lay eyes on the King of Kings. And it will happen if you're born again, if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, you're not going to be there. You're not going to see him. Listen, the main reason why I think it's going to be our greatest experience, our greatest thrill is because how great God is. That's the reason how great God is. Now, turn back now to Psalm 48. Would you do that, please? And uh, keep your seats, but I want you to read with me verses 1 and 2. And those of you watching at home, have your Bible open. You read with us verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 48. Let's read together now. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. There you have it, folks. The great king. We serve a great king. And I want to remind you of this. And I want to help restore your vision in the greatness of our God. Because it's time to do so. If the trumpet is going to sound soon, maybe sooner than we think, we're going to want to have ready our eyes looking for the great king. We got too many problems in life already. The world is just filled with problems. Violence is happening all over the world. Nation against nation. huh? And, and earthquakes and pestilences and COVID-19, right? And the economy and the price of gas. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something about the price of gas. The price of gas has bounced back to normal faster than anything else on the face of the planet. Have you noticed that? I was just hoping against hope it would stay under a dollar for a little longer. But it just kind of paid a quick respect and bing, back over a dollar it went. And then a dollar ten, a dollar twenty. I saw a dollar thirty-three today. Maybe you've seen higher than that. But if you haven't, you will. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a troubled world we live in. And the longer we live in this world, the more tempted we are just to kind of look at the things of the world. And of course, it has a dragging down effect. We don't have much time left in this world, I think. And so I think that it behooves us to get a renewed vision of how great God is. Because we shall see him. We really will. The Bible promises us that over and over. Now, what sort of greatness does God have? Oh, phew, I tell you something. God is great in every way possible. Everything about God is great. Great, great, great. Let's take a look, shall we? We're in the book of Psalms. Let's go back to Psalm 31. We're going to do this quickly. So you'll have to turn quickly. I'll speak quickly and we'll get it done quickly. Psalm 31 
And look, please, at verse number 19. Verse 19. All right. Oh, how great is thy, what's the word? Goodness. The goodness of God is great. Do you know some people that are good, that are good to you? Maybe you're a good person. You like to be good. It feels good to be good. You like to spread your goodness around. Well, God loves to be good. And he, he is great in goodness. The word great means bigger than normal. It means out of sight, man. It means huge. It means something that is uh, beyond what we're used to seeing. The goodness of God is great. Let's go to Psalm 76. Flip over there a clump of pages. Psalm 76 and verse 1. In Judah is God known. Now say these next words with me. His name is great in Israel. Even the name of God is great. You know, Jesus taught us in the, the, the prayer, hallowed be thy name. Remember that? Whoa, yeah. And also we're told in uh, uh, Philippians 2.19 that the Father gave the Son a name which is above every name. I tell you, the name of God is great. Let's go to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. <laughs> Verse 13, just the first part, the first half of the verse, read it out loud with me. Verse 13, Psalm 86 together, for great is thy mercy toward me. Mercy, mercy. God is not only great. Did you know in Ephesians chapter two and verse four, it says that God is rich in mercy. Now, some men are rich in, in money. Some men are, are, are rich in popularity. Some are rich in toys. Some are rich in, in health. God is rich in mercy. He has mercy. Oh, he could give so much mercy and, and his coffers wouldn't be down one, one dollar. God is rich in mercy. His mercy is great. Look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 5. O Lord, how great are thy works. That means everything that God has done, all of his works are great. Look at Psalm 126. Over a few pages. Psalm 126, verse 2. The end of the verse. The Lord hath done great things for them. Folks, you know what that means? God's history is great. Everything God has done in the past, his history. History is his story. We all know that. But God's history is great. Do you have a great history? I sure don't. I got a lot of history. I wish I could bury deeper. <laughs> God's history is stunning. It's immaculate. It's great. Let's go over to Psalm 136. Just a page or two, maybe. Verse four. To him alone doeth great wonders. The wonders of God are great. When God does things that just make us wonder. Oh, did you see that? His wonders are great. Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Verse 5. Read it out loud with me, please. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. God's power is great. Yeah, there's people in this world that boast they have power. They say, well, we have power. We have atomic power. We have this kind of power. Listen, they got nothing on God. God's power. Jesus said this in Matthew 28. He said, all power 
in heaven and earth is given unto me. All power. There's no power that he does not have. He does not possess. He does not own. He has the rights to it. The authority to it. Our king. This king that we're talking about tonight is great in every possible way. And if you remember the words of Lamentations 3.23, we even sing them in a hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God is faithful? Amen. Uh, anyone with a raise of hand tonight, you can do that. I'll get to see you tonight. Amen. God is faithful. Every time you slip up, every time you make mistakes, every time you open your mouth and say something and you later say, why did I do that? And you make a mess of things. God is faithful. He is faithful, beloved. He is faithful to you morning and noon and afternoon and night. And while you're asleep, God is faithful because great is thy faithfulness. We serve a great God. There's no question about it. But one of our many problems is that we get our eyes more on our problems than on the greatness of God. There's a humorous story told about two fellas who went through uh, grade school and high school and college together and they knew each other, you know. They lived in each other's pockets just about. And after graduation, after a year or two, one of them come to his buddy and he says, I'm going to offer you a job. I know you need a good job. I'm going to offer you a job. A thousand dollars a week. His buddy's jaw dropped. What? He says, yes, a thousand dollars a week. His buddy said, what do I got to do? All you got to do is handle all my problems. I'll pay you a thousand dollars a week if you handle all of my problems. And, the, and his buddy says, great. But he says, wait a minute. I know you. Where are you going to get a thousand dollars? And his friend says, well, that's your first problem. And you and I, we, we go day by day handling problems. If you're in the workaday world, you must know something about problems. If you're still in school, you must know something about problems. If you, if you live in a house with more than two people, you must know something once in a while about problems. And one of our problems is we get our eyes on our problems and we fail to see by faith the greatness of God. And we forget about it. We often do. And what I want to try and do tonight is help put a, I don't know, a, a, re, a renewed vigor, a vision in your heart for the greatness of Almighty God. Now, someone once said that we'll never see the greatness of the moon or the stars or the clouds or even a sunset until we start to look up. A lot of people never look up all through life. Their eyes are always down. They're always looking down. Folks, we need to start looking up. The way this world is going, I'm telling you, we need to start looking up. Where are you, Lord Jesus? You coming today? Could it be today? Oh, I hope it's today. Could it be today, Lord Jesus? Because we will get to see the King. Pastor, if Jesus comes today, I won't get to graduate. You'll be happier, trust me, when you see the king. Pastor, if Jesus comes today, we, we won't get to buy that, that house. We won't get to build our dream house. Trust me, when you see the king, you're going to a dream house. There's, you, you, you're you're going to forget all about the dream house. Pastor, if Jesus comes tonight, then we won't get to have our first baby. We won't even get married. We, I may not even meet the right one. Ah, uh, you'll meet the right one all right. 
in the air, in the clouds, when we see the king. I'm telling you, you're going to forget all about it. Say, how is that possible? Hey, when you were just a little wee squirt, you used to play with little wee squirt things, right? We all did. You look at uh, Pastor uh, Tim's son, Titus. And that little guy, he'll pick up some little squirt of a thing and have a whale of a time with it. He'll play in a cardboard box and think he's in heaven. But something happens as we grow up. We put away the cardboard boxes. Oh, sure, we acknowledge them, but we're not going to get down playing a cardboard box. We've got other things that we're interested in. And we went through this change. And that's exactly what will happen when we see the king. And the things that we think now, oh, are so good. We're going to grow up. And all of a sudden, they're not going to be all that great because we got all these other things, including the giver of the things, the king. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. You get the idea? We're going to grow up, folks. We're going to go through a transformation and we're not going to care about the things of this world. They're not going to mean anything to us. We're going to go so far beyond them. Oh, let others play with their cardboard box. Wow. Look at this. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see the king. It's going to happen. If you're saved, if you're born again, whether you're living for Jesus or not, you will see the king. Now, if you're not living for Jesus, you're going to be awful embarrassed. You're going to be red faced, shame faced. You're going to, you're going to have to bow and get right with, with God. You see, sin has to be dealt with. And either we confess the sin down here privately in our prayer closets, or we have to confess it up in heaven before untold millions. What would you rather do? I'd rather confess my sins quick down here. Just Jesus and me. Rather than take them with me to heaven, so to speak, and have to, to fess up to things up there. People look at me, you did what? (laughs) I don't want that. Do you? Boy, that's scary stuff. Listen, we need to keep looking up. We need to get our eyes off of people around us and onto the King of Kings. We need to get our eyes off of money, off of dollars and cents and money problems too, by the way, and onto the King of Kings. We need to get our eyes off of our health or our health problems, our lack thereof, and get our eyes on to the King of Kings. We need to get our eyes off of COVID-19. How about that? And on to the King of Kings. We need to get our eyes off of the death of loved ones and on to the King of Kings. We need to get our eyes off of grudges, off of hurts, off of things that have been done to us. And we need to get our eyes back where they belong, on to the King of Kings. Folks, let me remind you, please, once again, we shall see the king in his beauty. How do we know? Because 1 John 3, 2 promises, we shall see him as he is. And he's a beautiful king, a lovely king. The king who dwells between celestial cherubs. The king who sits on the throne of eternity. The king who rides upon the wind. The king who laid the foundations of this earth. The king who sends out his lightnings and his thunderings. We shall see the king. Now listen, this is too good to keep from you, to not share. But take your Bible and turn back to Psalm 18. Psalm number 18. Turn there with me now, please. We're going to read a few verses about the king. 
Psalm 18, written by David. When in distress, he called upon the Lord, and it's like he saw the king. Psalm 18, beginning at verse 6. You got your Bible? You ready? Let's read from verse 6 to verse 17. Read it with me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed. Hail stones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens and the highest gave his voice. Hail stones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. And he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen. And the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy. And from them which hated me. For they were too strong for me. Amen. This is a great king. You know, in the Bible, our king is described as being a shield, a buckler, a sword, a rock, a fortress, a mighty one. And one day, one day soon, we shall see him as he is. And can you even begin to imagine the thrill of rising and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of kings, when someone meets someone famous? They never seem to forget it for the rest of their lives. Maybe they have an autograph, maybe a picture, but it's something, a treasured memory. They never forget how much more when we shall see the King. The Bible declares God to be compassionate, eternal, faithful, a consuming fire, glorious, good, gracious, great, most high, holy, immortal, immutable, incorruptible, invisible, jealous, just, light, love, long-suffering, merciful, none before him, none beside him, none like unto him, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, only wise, perfect, righteous, true, unsearchable, upright. He fills all of heaven. He fills all of earth. And he is to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. That is the God that we're looking forward to seeing one day. And one day it will happen. We shall see him. The great God. The king. Mr. Reginald Heber. Years ago. Read Isaiah chapter 6. Where it says in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. 
and his train filled the temple. And Mr. Heber read this and got a vision for God's greatness. And he took pen and paper and wrote the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Mr. Robert Grant got a hold of Psalm 104. And in it, he seemed to get a vision of the greatness of Almighty God. And he wrote the hymn, Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. May I ask you, what is your vision of the greatness of God tonight? May I ask you this, do you have a vision of how great God is? If an unbeliever were to approach you in the street and ask you, how great is your God? What would you answer? Could you share your vision with him? Would you allow me to help you with a vision of God tonight? Take a pen and paper and write these things down. Number one, God owns everything. God owns everything. Psalm 50 verse 10 says God owns all of the animals. Psalm 50 verse 12 says God owns all the world and the fullness thereof. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says God owns all the silver and all the gold. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 says that God owns all the people in the earth. I'm telling you, the richest man in the world is bankrupt in comparison with God Almighty's wealth. He owns it all, folks. They say there's something in the neighborhood of $275 trillion of money that keeps circulating and circulating around and around the world through the stock markets. God owns it all. Number two, God has all power. Power to do anything. My power is so limited. As is yours, your power is so limited. The power of Almighty God is unlimited. There is nothing he cannot do. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that God upholds all things by the word of his power. He doesn't have to even bear the arm. His word is all it takes. The humanist is the man who exalts humans. And the humanist is absolutely deluded when he seems to think that he can do all things. The humanist stands and on his own two feet, he says, what the mind can, can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. And that is nonsense. Beloved, the humanist has nothing on God. Only God can do all things. Number three, God created all the people in the world. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And that's why scientists will never be able to reduplicate or recreate life because it requires the breath of God. And that's something that he cannot give. Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That means they hold together. The poor evolutionist loses 
when he says that all things simply evolved. And we ask him, from what, pray pray tell? And, And he has to answer, I don't know. Maybe from nothing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That happens a lot these days, doesn't it? From absolute nothing comes marvelous invention. Huh? From nothing. You heard the joke about the scientific evolutionist who shook his fist at God and said, God, we got you this time. We can now create life in the laboratory. And God said, be my guest. With that, the atheistic scientist reached down and grabbed a handful of dirt. And God said, wait, wait, right there. Go get your own dirt. You know something? A recent scientific study that was published in a magazine entitled Nature, Ecology, and Evolution shows that many branches of the so-called tree of life. Have you all seen that picture? It starts like a little, I don't know, a fish that turns into a toad or something that turns into a monkey and then some kind of man. And, you know, he gets further on and he's finally walking upright. You've seen that, that crazy, it's called the March of Progress. You've seen that picture? It's very famous, isn't it? Well, this recent scientific study has debunked that. They say that much of the so-called tree of life has not evolved at all. It has remained simple. And it's done all right too, by the way, they say. They point to a study done by evolutionary biologist named Stephen J. Gould. And this Mr. Gould documented that living organisms, listen carefully, do not increase in complexity. That's the whole nature of this march of progress, that simple organisms evolved and became more and more complex to to their walking upright as man. Mr. Gould pointed out, and he documented this through scientific study, years of research, living organisms do not increase in complexity, but actually decrease. They actually go the other way. Now, it just makes common sense. As we get older, our eyesight fails. Our memories fail. We get old timers disease. Hey, what was that? I don't remember. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to experiment uh, with some of, those, um, uh, some of those things these days myself. But what it does is it throws Darwinian evolution into a tailspin. Because Darwinian evolution claims, you know, that the strong survive kind of thing, the weak die out, and they got bigger and better and to what we are today. And apparently, that is malarkey. Even the evolutionist people are calling it malarkey. The poor evolutionist loses when he says that all things just evolved. Because God created all things. All right, number four. God knows all the details of our lives. He knows everything. Psalm 33, 13. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. That means everyone here in church tonight, everyone watching over the internet, everyone in every part of the world, even the farthest corners, yet you wouldn't even think there's a tiny island and there's only two people living in it. God knows all about it. God knows all about the people that are born in the darkest armpit of the world. He knows all about the people, the ones who come and go that we never hear of. 
He knows all about the billions and billions and billions of people that have come and gone be before us. He knows everything about their lives. In fact, I'll tell you how detailed God's intimate knowledge is of our lives. In Matthew 10 30, Jesus said that God knows even the number of hairs upon our head. None of us here tonight know how many hairs we got on top of our head. Unless you got absolutely no hair whatsoever. That's and that's an easy one. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't even know. How many, how many cells in your body? Oh, how should I know? Well, God knows. He knows everything there is to know about your body. Absolutely everything. That's how intimate God's knowledge is. Unbelievers will never know the thrill of knowing a personal God. And it's a thrill. Number five, God has the authority to sentence men to hell. He has the power and the authority to do that. Matthew 10, 28, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I'll tell you something, folks, the unsaved Supreme court judge will one day be condemned himself. The hard hearted sinner will never know the joy of being forgiven by God. Number six, God loves us more than any other person. This is documented fact. Jeremiah 31, three, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know something? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. We can't just automatically go to heaven. We have to be prepared for it. How do we get prepared? It's through Jesus. You see, it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. And in this case, that's so true. You need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You do that through prayer. You do that by admitting the truth. If you're a sinner on your way to hell and that Jesus died for all your sin on the cross, was dead, buried, and rose again. He's alive. Hallelujah. And we need to repent and ask him to forgive us and come in our heart and be the Lord and the Savior and take us to heaven when we die. We need to get right with God. And when we do that, the promise of God is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Isn't that good news? Praise the Lord. Do you remember when you were born again? God loves us more than any other person. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who else would give his son to die in our place to redeem us from going to hell? Charles Wesley became so overcome with the love of God that he wrote the hymn, And can it be that I should gain an interest hmm, in the cross. Can you see tonight the greatness of God? How is your vision tonight? Abraham came into God's presence and he got a vision of God's greatness. And you know what? He fell on his face before God. That's what he did. And so did Jacob. And so did Moses. Moses removed his sandals off his feet. And Joshua and King David and Isaiah and, and, and the prophets and the apostles. 
They seemed to get a vision for the greatness of God and it changed their lives. And you may be born again and saved, but if you don't have a proper vision of the greatness of your savior, the greatness of God, it's, it's not going to change your life. You need to change life. Christ came not only to save us from our sins, but to save us from this miserable life in the world. The happiest people in the world ought to be born again. People are saved, blood bought on their way to heaven. They're looking for the king. The things of this world. Yes, we all need a little food. We all need a place to sleep. We all need a little gas in our tank. But hey, we're not living for the gas in our tank. We're not living for a paycheck. We're living for the king. That'll change our lives. Mr. Edward Perronet came into God's presence, it seemed, and saw a vision of God's greatness. And he took a pen and he wrote the hymn, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. What a thrill it will be to see the king. It could happen tonight, you know. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Is a great king. How great is your king to you tonight? How is your vision of his greatness? And I don't know, maybe we're on holy ground tonight. Having brought up the subject of his greatness. Perhaps like Moses, we need to remove the the sandals off our feet. But maybe what we need to do instead is remove the sandals of pride off our feet. How about that? Remove the sandals of selfishness off our feet. Remove the sandals of self-righteousness off our feet. Remove the sandals of holding a grudge off our feet and come before his presence and worship the king. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You and I are going to see the king. But I'll tell you, sadly, there are a lot of people that are going to see the king that are going to be terrified. Because rather than seeing the king as savior, They're going to have to see him as judge. It will happen. The great white throne judgment. That's what it's called. And that's why we try to encourage all men. Persuade all men. Pray for all men. Help all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. You can't get someone saved. You can only encourage them to. It's the Holy Spirit is the soul winner. And we can pray for people and share the gospel with them. We can invite them to church. But it's at the end of the day, it's their decision. Either they accept or they reject. That's, that's it. Oh, come, let us worship the king. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for prayer? Our dear, wonderful Lord Jesus, you are the king, the king of kings. And we will see you one day. Oh, what glory, what joy that'll be. What a thrill. We can't even imagine. We've never experienced it before. It'll be a thrill like nothing else we've ever, ever experienced. Far, far greater. Lord Jesus, help us 
to really lock into a vision of your greatness and then to start living for you, living for you in the home and at work and even out in public to live for you and let others see you on the throne of our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone watching over the internet or listening to the sermon who's not yet born again, that you would please help them. Please, Heavenly Father, bless them, help them to see how simple it is to come to Jesus. Have thine own way, Lord. We love you so much and we praise you for our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen. Folks, at this time is our offering time. And back in the olden days, we used to have the ushers come forward with the offering bags and we would play a, a hymn past the offering bags. But we not allowed to do that anymore with COVID. We have an offering box at the back. The doors you came in, as you go out, there's a box right to the right. And if you would like to, you can put your offering in there. I encourage you to please be faithful with your tithes and offerings. It's how we worship, one way in which we worship God. We love him so much that, Lord, here's a tithe of my income and here's a faith promise to help those missionaries stay healthy and stay on the field. And now if you're watching over the internet, can I invite you please to go to the donation page at this time and to give a gift to the Lord to help with his work here at Grace. God bless you as you give.